Would you pray with me just for a moment? Heavenly Father, we're about to open your word now, and I'm praying that you will illuminate the word as our eyes read it and our, as our ears hear it. And I pray that your name will be uplifted and glorified. And I'm praying that you will help me to speak what the people need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. At the moment that we are speaking here today, and I say this because this message will go on our YouTube channel, and no doubt, hopefully, people will watch as the days and months and years go by. But we here in Southern Illinois have just had Christmas yesterday. And um, I'm reminded that Christmas brings a lot of happiness for a lot of people, but it also brings some sadness and heartache for others. Um, I personally know of about four families heavily affected this year due to the COVID pandemic, and they celebrated Christmas in a way that they never had before and that is with the loss of a loved one. And so while many of us, hopefully some of us, got to spend time with loved ones, many people suffered and felt the loss as well. Perhaps you celebrate Christmas in a big way, or perhaps you celebrate Christmas in a small way, or perhaps not at all. But for the Christian, we must never forget that there is a reason why we have Christmas. As a follower of Jesus, the season must be about the one whose name is in the root word of Christmas, Christ, Jesus Christ. We often hear this phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, I don't know who made that up. I'm sure someone did at some point, and it's a catchy phrase. But Jesus is more than a character in a nativity story. Jesus is more than a catchy phrase quoted at Christmas time. Jesus is more than the main subject or the main character in the Christmas hymns that we sing. Jesus is more. Jesus is everything. And I want to show you how much more this morning. Now, I've entitled our message, The Seven I Ams. And you're going to say, wait, what? There's only one I am. We're going to look at seven passages of Jesus speaking the words, I am. And I hope that you will draw some encouragement from this, as I did as I was putting this message together. We're going to begin with the first I am in John chapter 10 and beginning at verse 7. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 7. Jesus speaking here. And it says, Jesus said, then Jesus said to them again, and we're going to read 7 through 10, by the way, 7 through 10. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now some translations say door, other translations, <coughs> excuse me, say the word gate. And it's really the same thing. When we think of a door, we think of a destination. The door itself is not the destination. What's on the other side of the door is the destination. Think about it. Let's say that you've gone on vacation. You've been gone for a week or 10 days. You know, and, and, and people often say when you go on vacation, you need a vacation to recover from your vacation. But I would say that most of us, I know that I have done this, you're, you've gone, you've been gone from your house a week or 10 days. You don't ever say as you get out of your car, front door, I'm so glad to see you. What you do actually is when you step inside the front door, we all have said it, I'm so glad to what? Be home, right? We've all said that at some point. Many of us love to travel, but some of us like to be home. But it's the home that we like, not our front door necessarily. I'm so glad to be home. The, 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 it's not the actual door. Jesus isn't an actual door, but he is the entrance to another place. Jesus is our gateway to eternal life, which is God the Father. Now, thousands of years ago, man became separated from his creator because of sin, and we've been that way ever since. But Jesus is that bridge that stretches between heaven and earth. I once saw a painting that I thought was beautiful, and it showed the hand of the Father reaching down through the clouds, and it showed the hand of mankind reaching up, but there was this big void, this big gap. And in the middle was Jesus Christ, reaching down to grab a hold of the hand of man, reaching up to grab a hold of the hand of God, and bridging the gap. That's what Jesus is. He's the door. Now, some might be tempted to say, well, that's in the future. We'll have that in the future. But you know, Jesus can be that door to eternal life right now. Right now. Down through the centuries, millions of people have discovered that Jesus is the bridge that gaps the, the, the void, and they have found peace and joy and contentment in Jesus Christ. And just a subnote there. If you've watched 3ABN for many years, I know that you have heard my Uncle Danny say the verse many times, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You know, living the Christian life is not this humdrum uh, a, a life filled with do's and don'ts. It is a life of freedom, freedom in Christ to walk in the will of God. 
and to not hurt others and receive the rewards that he has waiting for those who are faithful to him. Have you found the Christian life to be rewarding? I know I have. I know I have. I love the passage that Paul wrote when he said, Inasmuch as it lies within you, live peaceably with all men. And I try to live that, and I'm sure that you do as well, to try to live peaceably with everyone. That is what the Christian life is about. So, the first I am, he said, I am the door. Number two, we're going to continue reading there in John chapter 10. The next verses are 11 through 14. And he says, he's continuing, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am, there it is again, the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Aren't you glad that you're known by Jesus? I love that. When we think of a shepherd, we think of someone who leads the sheep. And when we think of someone leading, we picture someone in front of us clearing the path, right? Have you ever been, do you have any memories of being a small child and and walking through deep snow with maybe your parent, your father? And isn't it wonderful, wasn't it nice when your dad was going ahead of you because he made these tracks, right? And if you followed in the tracks, you knew it wasn't going to be so bad because your dad was ahead, right? We don't get that kind of snow around here in southern Illinois much anymore. We, somebody said, praise God. I remember when we did, when I was a kid, we used to get lots of snow, but not so much anymore. When you have short legs, it's easy to walk in the footsteps that someone else has already made. And you know, Jesus mentions that he's the good shepherd. That indicates that there are bad shepherds who would do the flock harm. But a good shepherd loves his flock so much that he will put himself in harm's way in order to preserve the life of one sheep. And the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them intimately. I'm so glad that God knows me intimately. And that he knows my name. And he knows all about me and he loves me anyway. He is the good shepherd. From a book titled Testimony Treasures, volume 2, page 115 by Ellen G. White, it says this. Let us remember that Jesus knows us individually and is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows the wants of each of his creatures and he reads the hidden, unspoken grief of every heart. If one of the little ones for whom he died is injured, he sees it and calls the offender to count. Jesus is the good shepherd. He cares for his feeble, sickly, wandering sheep. And he knows them all by name. The distress of every sheep and every lamb of his flock touches his heart of sympathizing love and the cry for aid 
reaches his ear. Not one is forgotten. Not one is lost. We have the story of the 99 who were safely at home in the sheepfold, but the shepherd went to find that one. And we're told that there's great rejoicing under, over the return of that one. Maybe some of us have been that one here today. Praise the Lord that there is rejoicing in heaven for the return of one. So one I am, I am the door. Two, I am the good shepherd. Number three, go with me, just turn back a couple of pages to John chapter eight. One passage here, John chapter eight and verse 12. <coughs> Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, what is significant about this statement is that just previous to this verse, John had shared the story of a woman who was taken in adultery. And the leaders and the priests were, they were ready to stone her. But they turned a blind eye to the man who was also involved in the act. But Jesus blew the, head off, blew the lid off of their scheme by, by, by posing this question that none would dare answer. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Which indicated the darkness that truly surrounded their thinking. Light is very important especially when you're walking around in your house at night and you need to make it from one room to the other and maybe the electricity is off and you can't see and there's little things in the way to bump into and to stub your toe on. Oh, then you'd give anything for a nice bright light. We know that, that plants will die without sunlight. We also know that, that people who shut themselves in for days offer, suffer from depression because of the lack of sunlight. And we know all too well what it is to bumble and stumble around in the darkness of our home at night. Have you considered the number of people in this world today who are suffering from spiritual darkness? Everything that's going on in this world, the sin that's present in our world is because of the darkness and, and perhaps Maybe you have been in darkness, whatever form or fashion. Jesus is the light of the world. And it only takes one light to illuminate the entire earth with his presence. Let him shine the light of his love and his truth into your hearts today. Those of you who watch at home, if you haven't experienced that light, I invite you to do that while there is still time. The fourth statement that Jesus made comes from the same, same book we're staying in John, chapter 14 and verse 6. We're all familiar with this passage. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, just again, a little context for this statement. 
Jesus had just given his disciples a promise that even though he was going away, he would come back. But the disciples, they were a little confused about where he was going and their lack of knowledge about how to follow him. And in this one statement, Jesus spells out an entire transformation of life. First of all, he says, I am the way. Many people need a new way of life today. People try so many vices and distractions, inappropriate relationships, drugs or alcohol, money, power, sports, food, you name it. We humans have tried it. And it never brings the real contentment that we're looking for, the contentment that walking with Jesus can give us. And when you begin to walk in a new way, you discover truth. So many people today are so confused about who they really are. Aren't you glad that we didn't come from amoebas in the swamp? Oh, I'm so glad that, our, that our, 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 our 700th ancestor once removed was, was not an ape. But we came from the hand of God, directly from the Creator. And even though it is true, modern science would teach us that we began down here and we're slowly working our way up, but biblical history teaches us that we began up here and we're slowly making our way down. But Jesus is coming to correct that one day. I praise God for it. And we were created not to fit in, but to stand out in this world and to represent the God of heaven to those who don't know him. Now, sometimes people come to those two things, the way and the truth, in opposite order whatever their experience happens to be. But once we embrace the truth and once we get a new way, it leads to life. You know, many people today hate their lives and they would do just about anything to escape their life. They need a new life. They need what Jesus can offer there's so many stories in the Bible that people who have found a new life, all you have to do is sit and watch the testimonies on 3ABN, listening to the people who have come from darkness and are now walking in light and how happy they are and what meaning and purpose Jesus has given to their lives. Let Jesus give you a new life today and tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and next year. Wasn't it Paul who said, I die daily and are resurrected daily in newness of life? Let Jesus do that for you. Number five comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, I am the what? The true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word <clears throat> which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears how much fruit? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I think it's relevant again that Jesus says that he's the true vine, which leads us to the conclusion that there are false vines. This world is full of and always has been full of spiritual, so-called spiritual leaders and preachers and gurus and yogis and whatever else who have led people down the wrong path time and time again. Now, when we look at a grapevine, you don't have to have a, a biology degree to understand how that process works. You have the roots that are growing under the ground. You have the vine, or some might say the trunk that comes up. And then you have the branches that go out, and then you have the fruit on the end. Now, maybe some of us have done some rudimentary gardening or something, and we know that when you cut something back, you you only do that so that it will grow more and produce more. And that branch that gets cut off, it dies every time. Why? Because the vine provides the nourishment and the moisture that that fruit and those, those branches need. I like the verse or the, the phrase there, abide in me. Not like, he doesn't say come in and go out and come in and go out. Abide in me. Come in me, live in Jesus and stay there. If you're going to abide somewhere, you have to be there first, Right? Not come in and go out. Do you have any, anybody here who has cats? You got any cat lovers out there or people who have cats? If you like me, you've noticed that cats want to go in and then they want to go out. Then they want to come in and then they want to go out. Or maybe they go to the door and you open the door and then they just look outside. And I say to my cat, are you going in? Or are, you, are, are you going out? Are you coming in? Are you staying at what? You know? no, Jesus says, Get in me and stay in me. Abide in me. From the book Steps of Christ, page 69, it says, You are just as dependent upon Christ in order to live a holy life as is the branch upon the parent stock for growth and fruitfulness. Apart from him, you have no life. You have no power to resist temptation or to grow in grace and holiness, abiding in him, you may flourish. Drawing your life from him, you will not wither nor be fruitless. You will be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. I love that. Without him, Jesus says, we can do nothing. We especially have no ability to even stand up to the tempter, let alone defeat him. But I like it in another place where it says, nothing shall be impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing. 
The sixth statement of I am comes from John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to do 35 and then skip down to 48. Because they're kind of one and the same. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then down to 48. Again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. When we think of bread, we think of food, nourishment. You ever get a, I'm going to use a word here, a hankering? You know that word? You ever get a hankering for a certain kind of food that you just love? And when you get it, you feel so satisfied. In the springtime, I love fresh homegrown strawberries. I just love them. And you know, you get a hold of some fresh homegrown strawberries and you wash them off and you take that first bite and it's just, oh, it's so delicious. Or closer to home, my wife likes to bake bread. And boy, when that bread is in the oven... And the smell that flows through the home is so wonderful. And, 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 and you get that, <clears throat> you take that bread out of the oven and you let it cool and then, and then you cut into it and you take that, that first bite. It's, it's like a little piece of heaven on earth. It's just wonderful. That tells you how good a bread my wife makes. That's what Jesus does for the inner man. Jesus can satisfy the soul like nothing else and no one else. Remember that, remember the story when when Jesus was talking to that woman at the well and his disciples had gone to get food and they came back and and he was talking to her and and we presume that maybe he was, they were bringing him some food and they basically said to him, Master, you need to eat. And he said, I have meat to eat that you don't know about. And they kind of thought that maybe someone had brought him food. And then he went on and he said, My meat is to do, of the, do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus can bring nourishment and satisfaction like nothing else. And like no one else. And the last I am statement comes from John 11. <clears throat> John 11, and this is possibly the most important one. John 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am, what's the next words? The resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I have to answer, yes, I do. 
Now, everything that we've covered so far, Jesus being the shepherd, Jesus being the door, the bread of life, the true vine, is all well and good for our lives here and now. But in the end, if the Lord tarries, each one of us have an appointment. Isn't that right? Each of us, if the Lord tarries, each of us are headed for that grave. Paul said in Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We don't know when. It might be tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But it's still a problem that hangs over our head and we cannot avoid. It looms over us daily. But there's wonderful news. Jesus has a solution to that. He can beat death for he's already done it. And because of his resurrection and his life, we too can have that experience. From Desire of Ages, page 787, it says this, The voice that cried from the cross, It is finished, was heard among the dead. It pierced the walls of sepulchers and summoned the sleepers to arise. Thus will it be when the voice of Christ shall be heard from heaven. That voice will penetrate the graves and unbar the tombs, and the dead in Christ shall arise. At the Savior's resurrection, a few graves were opened, but at his second coming, all of the precious dead shall hear his voice and shall come forth to glorious immortal life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead will raise his church and glorify it with him above all principalities, above all powers, above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. All oh, that's beautiful. Jesus said, I have the keys to the grave and to death. And he has the power to unlock it and set, set us free. So maybe... There's someone here today, maybe there's someone watching, who really doesn't feel like they need that good shepherd or they need that light of the world or that bread of life or that true vine or the other things. While I might disagree with you, I can guarantee that you need the resurrection and the life. For we all do. Because the grave awaits us all. There's no escaping it. Don't be unprepared when that time comes. For those who watch today, if you, again, I say, if you haven't made the Lord Jesus the ruler and God of your life, please do it while there is time. And he will make permanent changes in your life. Not temporary, not something that wishy-washy, whatever. No, permanent changes that can put you on the road to heaven. Invite him into your life. So what is Jesus? Jesus is the door. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the true vine Jesus is the bread of life, and Jesus is the resurrection and the life. My final passage comes from our scripture reading that we just read. 
I want to go through it again. Colossians chapter 1. If this doesn't tell you that Jesus is everything, then I don't know what else could possibly convince you. It's Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, my friends, Jesus is everything. He's the creator. He's the reconciler. He's the bridge builder. He's the one who stands between us and God. And he is Lord And he is Savior and Master of all. He's more than a tiny babe in a manger. He's more than the subject of a Christmas song. He's more than a a, a meme that is shared on social media. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back with power and great glory. And we can be a part of it. We can be there if we just choose it to be there. My friends, the second coming of Jesus, where did I see this? I, forgot, I saw something this week that said, Jesus came the first time to prepare us for his second coming. And that is it. Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? Do you live your life in such a way that you're looking forward to that great event rather than being distracted and and, 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 and pulled in different directions here in planet Earth. I know that we're all here. I know that we have to live. We have to make a living and do what we need to do in this life. But our priority should be making sure that we have a home in heaven. Again, as I'm speaking today, this, this for us here today is our last Sabbath of this calendar year, 2020. And... Probably many of us are glad to see it go, but we don't know what 2021 holds. We have no idea. But what I like about the gospel message, it tells us that most of the time, God does not swoop in and rescue his people and sweep them out of the hard times. No, no. He's right there with you. Right there with us to take us through to the other side. So we don't know what this year is bringing But if we walk with Jesus on a daily basis, we will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to hear those words, don't you? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we close with prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we've been reminded again of who and what Jesus is. 
He is the door. He is the vine. He is the shepherd. He is the bread of life. But most importantly to us, He is the resurrection and the life. And Father, I pray that right now, if there's anyone watching this message today, if they haven't made that decision to come to Jesus and to turn their lives over to Him, I pray that that individual will make that decision now while there's still time. You never promised that the Christian life would be a garden of roses, but you did promise that you will be with us through the difficult times. And what you have waiting for us cannot be measured, cannot be compared to. The scripture tells us, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We pray, Father, that you will keep us steady and strong, that you will help us to die daily each day and live unto you. And we trust you with our lives and with our material possessions. We trust you with our very being, Father, and we know that if we stay faithful to you, that you're going to see us through and you're going to reward us with that great reward. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that you offer us on a daily basis. Thank you for the promise that you're coming again to receive us unto yourself, that where you are, there we may be also. Thank you for the promises of your word. Help us to abide in your word and to hide your promises in our hearts daily. And we ask you, Father, to be with those who mourn, those who have suffered the loss of loved ones. Draw peace to them and give them the peace that passes all understanding. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.